Do you want to advertise on this podcast? Go to podbean.com now for only $1. You can get a thousand listens. You can also predefine geographic locations and categories for where your advertisement will run. Start using the most cost-effective advertising campaign now. Go to podbean.com. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N.com. See, everyone remembers Star Wars and Star Trek. But see, there's other sci-fi voices of shows and people that we might forget. So if you haven't thought of Dollhouse, Classic Battlestar, or Babylon 5 in a while, you gotta listen in. It's a sci-fi diner classic, voices from a long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. It's a sci-fi diner classic, bringing you voices from the past. No, we ain't here, I think. It's a sci-fi diner classic, don't give me no news, just give me interviews and nothing else. No, nothing else. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Classic. Uh, what episode is this, Miles? This has to be like episode 13, 14, something like that. Yeah, I'm not entirely uh, sure. I will tell you in just a second. It's, it's episode 13. Ooh. So yeah, episode 13, it's the Evil 13, mm-hmm. And but we have a very lucky guest that we got here. Someone that's became has become quite famous in uh, be- the Being Human Circle, right? Yes. Uh, Sam Witwer, we talked to him at... Uh, Star Park. Killer himself. Farpoint uh, 2010, and he was also, um, you know, um, he was, uh, oh shoot, the character in, in Smallville, um, Doomsday. Oh, yeah, Doom, Doomsday. And, yes. uh, and what, what was he? Crashed down in Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. and uh, has been on the Clone Wars and the animated Clone Wars as the voice of the Emperor and many other things. And, and he's, he's had huge success with uh, being human. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we had a chance to sit down and talk to him, and wow, what a phenomenal interview. I had a good time interviewing yeah. him. We had a great time talking with him, yeah. Very approachable. And this was, he was just kind of an up-and-comer, I feel like, at that point. So much has changed in two years. Yeah, his career has definitely uh, launched this transfer. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to bring you tonight our conversation with him, this old interview that we did with him that's just as good as ever. And we uh, hope you enjoy our chat with Sam Whitwer. Welcome back to the podcast. We have an awesome interview with with Sam Whitmer in store for you. Mm-hmm. Now, Miles, we had a great time interviewing this guy. Yes, and we almost didn't get the chance to do it too. It was uh, no, it was le- last minute on the fly. Yeah, I know. When I emailed the convention, uh, you know, they, they, you know, I emailed Betsy from Farpoint. She said, "Oh, well, uh, they, I checked, and they said we can't do it." And then I checked with her again when we were down there. And she talked to her higher-ups, and they told her something different. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was her first time kind of running interference. She was awesome, by she, the way. She helped us out tremendously. She did. And she set up, she, she hooked us up with an interview with Sam Whitwer. Mm-hmm. 
and a little bit of debacle trying to get that going, but it was we just had a really good time sitting down and chatting with this guy. Yes, Sam, Sam he's not just you know an actor uh, getting these parts. He, he, he's a fan of what he's doing, too. He's absolutely a fan. He was a fan, as you'll hear, of BSG before he became a part of that. Sure, a fan of Smallville and absolutely a fan of Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And he's been in all three. And he was a last-minute uh, guest replacement. Uh, so it was very serendipitous that we got a chance to yeah, uh, was, talk with him. Yeah, it was surreal. Mm-hmm. Well, let's don't hold it off any longer. Let's bring on that interview. There once was a monster, and the monster dreamed that it was a man. It loved everything about being a man. It was a beautiful dream, but this dream is doomed. Well, I'm a fan of Smallville and uh, BSG, so I remember your work from both those shows. Awesome, thank you. Thank you. And so, um, so I that was cool that you got to be an iconic <laughs> Tuesday. Yeah, it was uh, it was um, interesting. They called me and I just got a call like, "Oh, the Smallville producers want to meet you," and yeah. uh, they they described this character Davis and his whole story, and uh, and then they said, "Oh, and by the end of it, he becomes Doomsday." And I'm like, "Oh." The guy from the animated thing that I saw on, I think he's from a comic book too, right? Isn't he the guy that killed <laughs> Superman? And I knew that much because I had gotten like the um, the Doomsday animated uh, uh, cartoon on Xbox Live like two weeks beforehand. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that guy. <laughs> yeah, so. Well, welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner. Thank James. you very much. And uh, we have with us Sam Whitwer. What's up? Uh, so. Known for his work in the Star Wars, BSG, and Smallville universe. Yeah. And uh, those are your most recents, right? You've done a little bit of Angel, is that correct, in the past? Uh, yeah, I, I, I think I did an Angel. I did an, a, a Dark Angel. Right, I right. I did a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I've kind of been all over the place. All over the place. Well, very cool. Well, thank you for sitting down and chatting with thank us you. here. Yeah, it's nice to be here. So, well, very cool. Well, welcome to Firepoint. And uh, where do you want to start, Miles? Um, how often do you uh, How often do you do the conventions right now? Um, really, it's uh, not that often. I think this might be my third or fourth. Mm-hmm. I think, okay. um, but uh, it's I, it's really um, it's when uh, you know it, it's when it's when work calms down just a little bit, and I've got a couple weeks. If there's a convention that falls in there, I'm, I'm more than happy to do it. Because this is last minute, right? Yeah, <laughs> very very last minute. Yeah, you found out what a week ago. It's like oh yeah oh sorry about that. Yeah, that's right. right. Turn that off. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's a, it's around work and uh, even even this was a couple of close calls, but we're we're totally fine. Oh good, so, <laughs> yeah. Good. Well, uh, my most uh, Miles most recently you saw him in uh, Smallville, right? Correct. Yes, mm-hmm. and uh, I liked what Smallville did. I mean, the comic books made Doomsday pretty much a one dimensional character. He just came right. to kill Superman, but. Smallville actually made Doomsday a very sympathetic uh, yeah, character, yeah. Which, you, which you made him very sympathetic. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, you made him more human. I mean, it was a, definitely a risk. I remember when we, when when we first sort of told the public what we were doing, um, they were not happy. They there was a lot of uh, fan backlash, but as soon as it started airing, they kind of chilled. They kind of calmed down and got on board, which was which was really nice. That was really nice, and, and we kind of knew that was going to happen. I mean. Whenever you're going to change something or add something, you know, there's a bunch of people who are probably rightfully concerned that you're going to do a bad job, that you're going to ruin something, you're going to, you know, break it. But uh, 
but in this case, they they got on board and agreed with what I what what we did. So that was that was really nice. I, I think in, in that case, they they improved upon the uh, the character. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I always looked at it like the Davis part of uh, Doomsday was just camouflage, and so it was the story of this sort of garment that Doomsday wears, and and the camouflage began to to believe in itself. And so it's the sad story there. The um, tragic story. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like I, I'm not sure that Doomsday himself um, has, the, you know, a lot of that humanity inside him. I think it's... it's. I, I looked at it as like it was a shell, mm-hmm. you know, that was necessary for a while and then no longer became necessary. So Now, what was interesting was that, you know, there, no, uh, Doomsday wasn't CGI. I mean, there, were you in the suit or was it the... Uh, there's another actor in the suit... You know the the suit was very uncomfortable, um, or so I've heard, because I, I was not in it. I, uh, I got to hang out and relax while uh, a very cool guy named Dario put on the suit, which was great because I could be my presence could be felt in an episode, um, and I could just be relaxing somewhere. <laughs> very nice. So that was nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, now is, is that because? Or was it because? Uh, You've done stunts before. I, had, yeah. I saw you were credited Crash, right? Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. The, the, I think it was mostly because uh, I am not six five and super, you know, as wide as I am tall. Uh, <laughs> they because Tom is six four. I'm six one, and uh, I'm used to being one of the taller guys on the set, but uh, not on Smallville. On Smallville, they're all giants. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, they they. I just wasn't big enough. And, but also, I, I actually told him, I'm like, I, I'm not, I don't know that I want to do too many prosthetics on this. <laughs> um, and they were, they were cool about that. Um, but I simply, if you had me in the suit, it, I, it just wouldn't have looked right against uh, Tom. You know? It wouldn't have been imposing. I Again, on any normal set, sure. You know, what it would have worked. Not Tom. Not against <laughs> Six four Tom Welling. No. That's why I don't see. I mean, I don't, I don't think of Tom Welling as tall, but but you could you confirm he is six, six four. It's yeah, he's he's deceptively tall. That mm-hmm. guy, including and Justin, is also the same way. Mm-hmm. So yeah, everyone on that set is very tall. <laughs> tall people. Now, talk a little bit about your your work in the Force Unleashed. Yes, I played the video game. Absolutely loved it. Did you play the video game? Oh uh, yes, yes I did. Of course. I'm a gamer, so I'm I'm really into that stuff. And you beat, you beat the game playing yourself. Oh yes, yes. How that how that feel to be playing yourself? Oh, uh, yeah, it's the same as it is every day. I always play myself. Um, no, it's it was really awesome. I mean, being a gamer and being a Star Wars fan since birth, it was it was incredible to be able to uh, to lend my voice to that to that franchise um, and I've since I've since I've been an actor I've had very specific ideas of what um, what that requires uh, and and you know try to bring it to that <clears throat> try to create a character that felt like you could put him up to next to Luke and Han and, and he wouldn't feel out of place you know right. make sure that his vocal patterns and the way that he talked and how fast he talked and all that stuff that that, that matched up. I mean, if you watch the original Star Wars, um, the joke is is that George Lucas, uh, the only direction he'd give the actors is faster, more intense. Um, <laughs> and, you know, they'd do a take and he'd, and he'd go, great, faster, do it, do it more intense, you know, and that was all he would ever say. 
In fact, there was a, there was a story they tell that he lost his voice, so they made up signs, one for faster and one for more intense. <laughs> and, uh, but if you watch that movie, that's the perfect direction for that movie. That movie, um, all the dialogue moves at a very quick 1940s clip, and uh, it's very exciting. And, and it feels very old school that it's that way. I mean, if you watch... Uh, Maltese Falcon, for example, you know, just incredibly fast, exciting, uh, excitingly paced dialogue. And when it's that fast, everything is lent an air of importance. And so we would do a take or something like that. It wouldn't feel particularly Star Wars. And then we'd stop and I'd go, well, wait a second. What a, let's try it faster, more intense. And then suddenly it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, just making sure that that, that that character had that sort of edge to it, um, and I really liked the character too. I really liked it, so it was really fun to get. Well, confusing at first, but then fun to get called for Force Unleashed too, um, because right. in this case, we now know the characters. We don't have to because we were on the first one. We were so worried about about how the character was going to come off. I mean, everyone was second guessing themselves. I was. We had endless talks about how do you make this character feel like a Star Wars character? Right. How do you? How do you know? Why do we? Who is Han Solo? Who is Luke Skywalker to us? Who is Princess Leia? Why are we still talking about these characters 30 years down the road? Why are they relevant? And uh, and what is it that we have to, to add to make it feel like it's from those movies? Because while it, it takes elements from both the prequels and the and the classic, mm-hmm. we definitely were skewing it toward the, the classic. For, right. If for no other reason than, you know, we haven't done that for a while in, right. in Star Wars. We haven't, we haven't visited that sort of time frame. Um, and it's a very specific flavor. Um, so, you know, with Force and Lace 2, we're just kind of... Now we're like, okay, well, what can you do with the characters? Or where, where can we take them performance-wise? And we had a lot of talks about that. You know, that, that they didn't go in the first game. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's cool because we know these guys. It's We don't have to... The, the, it was a lot more relaxed for that reason hmm. uh, because the characters have been embraced now the 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 fans um, liked those people and that was a huge relief on all of our parts because we were like oh, how's it going to come off because you know people are they take a while to warm up to new Star Wars characters I know when I first started playing it I felt Extremely guilty killing Wookiees, you know, because you're because I mean it starts out in Kashyyyk, and that's where we first meet your character as mm-hmm. a little boy, and then right, and then it right, then it blossoms in, but you're killing all the good guys yeah, at first as Vader though, and then right. later you come back as the apprentice and free them, you know, right. So right. there was a nice little symmetry there. Right. Hayden Blackman is a really smart guy. He's a really smart guy. He for Force Unleashed too. Um, the big question, obviously, on everyone's mind is, how is this possible? How does this character return? And a uh, huge question on my mind. It was a call I was not expecting to get. And Hayden, uh, when I saw the script, I was just kind of floored. I was like, wow, he, he actually, this actually makes sense. This is actually really cool, what, what he ends up coming up with. Well, at the end of the book, he ends up, he ends up leaving... Or at least is subversive to Darth Vader, right? He's he's not he's he leaves him, right? I actually I have not I've read part of the book. I haven't okay. had a chance to actually read through but, it. The, the video game. Where's the video game? Leaves? The video game leaves off that apparently apparently he's he's dead and he's given his life so that the uh, the rebel leaders can escape. Because yeah. the book ended differently. Then. Did it really? Yeah, I interesting. So so in this case, uh, and I uh, well, okay, I was about to tell you what happens, but I can't. Yeah. <laughs> um, NDA. Yeah, exactly. So. So that's where the NDA comes in. But, um, but he's back. 
when he's back, he is back, and I can I can say that, and I can say that it was really fun to have everyone back together again, and uh, you know I'm I'm just looking forward to God. I almost I, wow, I almost just gave away another piece of information. Yep, oops. We're it's really tough. tough. This, is great. <laughs> this is really tough. I think so far I've I've said nothing, so that's good. Let's keep um, it that way. Something else, Star Wars, that I can't say anything about is the the Clone Wars. Um, I'm doing some work for them. Uh, the animated series, yeah, yeah. Awesome. So that it, that is that for, will that be for? Can you tell us which season at least? Season three. Okay, so yeah, season three. There's uh-huh. a very very interesting idea that George has come up with, and I get to um, execute a large part of it, which is really fun. Have um, you uh, have you met George? Then? I've met George. I met George uh, at the um, release for Force Unleashed. So. Um, that's uh, yeah. That's I think I've 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 walked past him on several occasions, but that's when I actually had a chance to to talk with him right. and uh, get him to sign my Force Unleashed poster, stuff like that. There you so. go. <laughs> the fanboy comes out. Oh, right? Of course, <laughs> I mean, you know, that guy is a. Was, no, we had interviewed Maris Brood last year. Oh, Adrian. Yeah, Adrian. Yeah. So, but you probably didn't work with her. It was all voice work, right? No, no, no. We all worked together. <clears throat> okay. We shot that uh, very much like you would shoot a movie. And all the actors were together. So okay, cool. We that was that's part of what was so great about Force Unleashed too is we all got back together and we were all in the we were all in the room. We were all working together. Is she in that one too? I cannot disclose who is and is not. Just that you are. I am, and <laughs> there are other people who are familiar. Um, but I could be talking about behind the scenes guys. I could be right, talking right, about. Right. I can say that Hayden Blackman is involved. Right, right. <laughs> and not give anything away. <laughs> right. right. I can say that David Collins is involved, but that doesn't necessarily. Even though David played Proxy in Force Unleashed, he he's a LucasArts guy, so maybe he's just helping with the script, or maybe he's doing right, sound right, stuff. Right, we don't right, know. Right. Maybe Proxy shows up. I I don't know. <laughs> I have right. no idea. Well, we can move this conversation on to BSG. That way, you're safe. Yes, <laughs> that's right. Now, would would ask one thing. Um, when you for your work for season three for Clone Wars, yes. are you voice? Are you, is it your character for Force Unleashed, or is it for a different character? I, I can say that it's not Star Killer. It's not Star Killer. He, he's this is a character who is. Uh, I could say safely that he's thematically linked to Star Killer. In fact, that was something that Dave Filoni said. He Maybe said a he, father. You can. It's 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 not someone who is in any kind of literal rela- relation, something okay. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but but Dave Filoni said, you know, it's it's okay if if there's some element of that character in this because, and I, again, I'd have to tell you who and what my character is. And then you have to kill us, guys. To me, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it's a, if if I could tell you, it, it would be. Um, I think you'd be. Suitably excited because it's awesome. uh, very. George came up with a very cool idea, cool. Um, and it's something that's very linked into the mythos of Star Wars and the, you know, and where it's all going and how it relates to the main characters and you know. When is the Force Unleashed to do out? I think at the end of this year. At the end of this year, so yeah. we have to wait all year for. It. <laughs> yeah, <I guess> so. <laughs> well, and the cool thing is, I get to go in and just sort of periodically check on them and do some. You know, continue working for him and stuff. <laughs> right, awesome. That's fun. That's great. And also for Clone Wars. So that's that's uh, you know because they they called me up. I I was thrilled to to begin with because I just love Star Wars and you know yeah get me another Star Wars character to play. Let's do this. Um, and it wasn't until a little bit later that that I was informed. And I guess maybe I wasn't maybe this information missed me somehow. But that that the character didn't just show up once. He showed up. You know. That this was a recurring 
type of character, so that was neat. Very cool. So, and we know we're going to get a third season of uh, Clone Wars. Yeah, well, we knew, I think there's five. Five is slated out, is that correct? Five seasons? Yeah, I don't know. I thought I, thought I heard somewhere. Okay. They have some really cool things. And the live action comes out soon too. That'll be awesome. Yeah, but lots of Star Wars. Uh, I can't get enough different stuff. He's a Trekkie. I'm much more of a Star Wars. But guy. I do appreciate Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I like I like both. You, uh, did you enjoy the new Star Trek film? Loved it. Yeah, yeah Loved absolutely. It. Yeah. Tell us about Crashdown. Crashdown uh, was a character in Battlestar Galactica season one and the beginning of season two. Who? Um, hope I'm not giving anything away there. Doesn't come to a happy end. Um, yeah. No, he loses his head over the thing, doesn't he? Yeah, well, you know, that's the thing. He actually gets hit in the, in the back. Everyone thinks he gets hit in the head. Yeah. And I've, I've had people say that, you know, <laughs> even people who worked on it. They're like, yeah, you got... No, it's like, no, it was the, it was the back, man. I know, because that's where they put the, the oh. hole. As a matter of fact, when, when I actually... I can talk about this, right? Yeah, come on. Sure. If you haven't seen Battlestar, what's wrong with you? Yeah, there's no spoilers. Come on. We, we yeah. talked Battlestar Galactica to death on the previous shows. So. Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, I remember during the, uh, when, when I actually take the shot, when, when, when Baltar shoots me, there's a tree in front of me and I actually go, I go flying into the tree. I kind of smash into the tree. Um, <laughs> like any stunt, you'll do something, uh, once, twice, three times, four times, and you're like, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. You do it seven times, you're like, it's fine, it's fine. It isn't until about 14 or 15 that you're like, oh, oh God, oh, <laughs> this really hurts. And, and, you know, and, and at first you're, I mean, so every time that the stunt guys are like, you want pads? And you're like, no, 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 I'm fine. Um, and it's because you think you are fine the first dozen times, but once you start getting into the high teens, um, whatever it is that you're doing to yourself really starts to catch up with you especially also like after breaks like you'll be you'll do it a bunch of times and then you'll take a break and you'll go back to it and your body's like whoa 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 I just let my guard down man I I thought we were resting oh great and uh it's it's extremely painful <laughs> really painful not only is it a death scene it's a painful death scene <laughs> yeah I mean even even in in the mist I do a very simple thing where where Bill Sadler uh hits me on the base of the neck and knocks me over like knocks me to the ground and I, during the takes, I'd catch myself with the palm of my hand. Um, even that was horrifically painful after a while because I was just going down really hard, slapping my, my hand and my wrist to the ground. So, you know, it's... Uh, and again, it's nothing that bothers you the first 12, 14 times. You, know, you do it after 14 times and you're like, okay, this is... I, I really need to pace myself here. Yeah. So. Well, now, tell us... Uh, so... He, he meets his demise. What's happening? What happens with your character in the series? I mean, how, maybe, actually, how'd you get involved with BSG? I got involved because I saw the miniseries, I fell in love with it, and then I, um, <laughs> I had my agent call Robert Ulrich, who was the casting director, who had auditioned me several times. I said, hey, tell Robert that I'd like to do uh, Battlestar, that I want a guest on it. And Robert, who's always been very friendly to me, uh, came back with a series regular. And... Um, I was shocked and so I, I auditioned for that and got it and uh, didn't expect that I'd have to move to Vancouver I thought I'd just uh, you know do a guest shot on it just do an episode and I just wanted to contribute to a show that I thought had enormous potential and, and was already extremely good um, so I'm so the next thing I know I'm a series regular and I'm living in Vancouver um, the problem with that for me was that 
they had 12 other regulars, all of which who were established in the miniseries, right? And I wasn't. I was later. And they, they really owed them screen time before they owed some new guy screen time. So uh, Crashdown was often lost in the shuffle. He, he, um, you know, he was present and he was doing stuff during the first season. Um, and they really, I mean, they wrote him some awesome stuff. Problem is, before we'd shoot it, that stuff often had to be cut from the script because there just wasn't time. Mm-hmm. There wasn't time or space to shoot all this, uh, all this wonderful stuff they were writing for Crashdown, and oftentimes really funny stuff, which was, you know, because they were trying to figure out how funny Battlestar Galactica could or could not be at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but eventually, what happened is they started figuring out how to get him into the into the main story, started getting him in more and more. And which was very pleasing to me, but um, for me, I, I really felt like I needed to get back to LA, you know, and and just work on other stuff. So and and uh, and for all you listeners out there, if you guys have the Blu-ray or I think even the DVD, um, but definitely the Blu-ray. If you listen to the uh, the commentary for the episode thirty-three, they will corroborate this story. Um, but I, I basically said to David Ike, "Hey, so you know how you're." You're paying all, me all this money to be out here and stuff. Well, wouldn't it be cool to like save your money and buy like two or three extra explosions per episode? Like, how about this? Like, let's use him. Let's do something with him, or let's give him a, a really cool death. Let's do something cool. And uh, I think <laughs> I think David I can run more who want to kill absolutely everyone, as you've right. seen in the show. Right. I think once an actor kind of because they don't want to hurt anyone's feelings or anything like that. And once an actor kind of invites you, you're like, no, go for it. They're like, oh, all right, <laughs> maybe we will. And, and, you know, I think David Icke uh, really started thinking about the possibilities of that. And so when season two came around, there were three episodes um, that uh, had a very cool storyline in which my character came to the forefront and uh, and had a very complicated, um, dramatic uh, tale that, that, left, that led to his demise. And, and I really... When I saw that in the script, I was really happy because, for one thing, it was really extremely well written, and for two, I didn't feel like every actor could do it justice, and I and I was appreciative that they gave me a chance to essentially succeed or fail, um, because if you're going to write something really good, you know, oftentimes it'll be challenging, it'll be right. interesting and challenging, and and uh, they, I mean, I, I suppose they could have figured out something where I wouldn't have had to stretch as much, but. They actually uh, showed some faith in in their casting decision and uh, and gave me something that I felt like not every actor could do correctly, and I was really happy about that. I mean, they, they let your they let you let your character become unglued. Yes, yes, yeah. and that was the that, the fun thing about coming unglued on that show, though, was doing it in a rational way, doing it in a way that made perfect sense to me, and and also made perfect sense to a lot of the military audience that was watching the show. I was very surprised but heartened when when Fragged aired. Uh, I thought everyone was just going to, you know, hate Crashdown, but it turns out uh, most of the people that had served in the military came to his defense and said, what would you do? Hmm. You know, they said, look, he, he did everything by the book, and even pulling the gun on Callie, because at the end, he Callie disobeys an order in a combat situation, so he draws a, a weapon on her and threatens to shoot her if she doesn't go out and do her what she's been commanded to do and uh, the military people jumped to my defense on that too they said that this is this is military ethics this is in the book this is 
losing someone, losing a soldier to friendly fire is more desirable than losing the chain of command. Because if you lose the chain of command, everyone dies. Right. And the thing about this episode, that episode that not a lot of people bring up a lot is that, you know, yeah, Crashdown comes up with this crazy... The episode, to remind you guys, is the Cylons, we've crash-landed on Cobalt. I'm trying to help these soldiers out. There's some confusion. People are getting killed. Um, clearly, I'm not the best people person. Uh, even though I, I, he's a good pilot, he got them down to the ground alive. He was able to uh, to save everyone's life, pull them out of the Raptor, all that. But he's not a good, uh, you know, he's not a good leader at, the, at this point in his life, right? Um, but he also, but he, but he's an officer and he knows his job. Well, the Cylons set up a missile turret, and Crashdown knows that Galactica is sending a rescue party, and and that rescue party is going to be shot down if uh, we don't deal with the missile turret that's been set up in the woods. So I'm concocting this plan about, and we're totally ill-equipped. We have maybe like two rifles and some handguns. Um, and there's several Cylon Centurions out there. So the odds are not in our favor. We're probably all going to die. But, but my argument is what, what are we going to do? What's what, what, um, what is our, what is the alternative? And, and everyone forgets that while the chief is the voice of reason in the episode and the chief goes, no, let's let's not do this. It's a bad idea. It's a bad idea. He never offers an alternative. No one does. No one comes up with a better idea. And so Crashdown goes, "Well, then here we go. We have to attack the site." And then you know, and then people say, "Oh, but you know, what about when the chief says attack?" There's a there's a radar dish that can be taken out. Uh, and the thing that people forget is Crashdown got faulty intelligence on that. Baltar lied about uh, the Cylons that were protecting that dish. So. What I loved about the episode is there was an opportunity for both sides to be right. There was an opportunity for Crashdown to be fairly rational while at the same time emotionally coming unglued. Um, and the logline for the episode was, oh, Crashdown goes crazy. But I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not going to play it like, you're not going to spray me down with sweat and mm-hmm. I'll be gritting my teeth throughout the whole episode. I mean, that's, we've seen that a million times. We've right. seen it, What we haven't seen is a story about a guy who almost gets everyone killed because he cares too much. We haven't seen that quite uh, that much. I mean, we've seen you know it, we've we've seen crazy leader gets everyone killed. It's not interesting. Yeah, you know. I appreciate that. Well, I'm not I'm not going to play it like you're not going to spray me down with sweat and mm-hmm. I'll be gritting my teeth throughout the whole episode. I mean, that's we've seen that a million times. We've right. seen it, w- what we haven't seen is a story about a guy who almost gets everyone killed because he cares too much. We haven't seen that quite. Uh, that much. I mean, we've seen, you know, it, we've we've seen crazy leader gets everyone killed. It's not interesting. Yeah, you know. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. Well, thank you so much for sitting with us and talking with us a little bit. Yeah. yeah.